0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Diecast Movie Podcast. And this time we're doing a crossover with Monster Kid Radio. Um, I did the episode earlier with Derek, where we're on episode 581, where we talked about Conan the Barbarian on his show. And if you're not listening to Monster Kid Radio, everybody should be, where to talk about the classic monster movies or not so classic, those hidden gems, those wonderful things from the past brought to life again. You got to check out Derek's show, and of course, listen to episode five eighty one prior to this episode if you want to get the full version of Conan the Barbarian before we go into Conan the Destroyer. I want to thank Derek for taking time and let me let me be on his show and for him to be on our show. And otherwise, let's get on to what Ben, Derek, and I talk about with Conan the Destroyer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast <laughs> Movie Podcast. Um, today we're going to be doing a movie review of the wonderful movie Conan the Destroyer, the sequel to Conan the Barbarian. I'm joined here with my ever-faithful companion, Ben. Michaela's not able to join us this episode, but in her replacement, as a replacement, we have the one, the only, the Hall of Famer from Rondo Awards, Rondo Award-winning podcaster, Sir Derek M.
1: Cook! With all your fancy equipment over there, I expected like an applause, a cheer, you know, hitting like a, you know, applause now button, you know, but all right, I'll take what you just gave me. Fine.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Boy, I tell you, he's in the hall of fame for a couple months and he's already a diva. I mean, we have to call him. It's on our contract. We have to call him Sir Derek. Did you know that, Ben?
2: (laughs) I didn't know we signed contracts. Can I get one? No. You're... you're, you're... (laughs)
1: somebody wanted a contract to do a podcast
3: <laughs>
1: oh man how's it going guys I'm happy to be here I'm not a replacement for Michaela I don't think I could uh, fit into any of her clothes but uh not that I tried because that would be weird and that just got weird so how are you guys doing I just got this image in my mind now
0: that's it's nope it's too Moving late on. nope it's too late nope nope nope
2: I'm doing great.
0: I feel Great, I feel, ben. I feel if I if I had any photoshopping techniques, I could actually pull this off.
2: <laughs> it wouldn't even take well, no. or, <laughs> any real photoshopping skill. Most people that Photoshop nope. don't even Photoshop well.
0: <laughs> well, you set yourself oh, up for man. that one. But Derek, you you've been doing <laughs> a podcast called Monster Kid Radio for listeners that don't know, <laughs> and it's <laughs> over five hundred episodes you we we are about one tenth less than one, worse t- than one tenth of your output so far, but the beauty of it is our percentage will get better we'll never we'll never catch you in episodes at the rate you're going at the rate we're going, but eventually we might be at fifty percent of your output and that that's like a, that's a, like a like a ten year goal <laughs>
1: So, I, I cheated, and I've talked about this before. I might have even talked about it when on the show that you were on. I can't remember, but I cheated at the beginning because I was doing two episodes a week to get my numbers up. And I admit fully, <gasps> it was an artificial way to bump my numbers. So, you know, you could just do like an episode a day until you <laughs> get caught up. I mean, that'd be easy, right? Ben is the editor. I, I, I can't kill
0: Ben. You know, I mean, we'd have to one, the episodes would be a lot shorter, not these. Marathon episodes that you you put out with Monster Kid Radio, I mean, I think your average episode is an hour and 25 minutes.
1: I've never really looked. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're just so – they're typically under an hour and a half, typically. But it's – you know, it kind of fluctuates.
2: So are his interviews. So that's the beauty but,
1: about doing podcasting, though, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Because it can go for any well, – like, What do you not, say, ben? You're not on a scheduled time. It's like just keep going until you – Till you're done make your own right. plans
1: yeah i mean when i have your dad on ben i mean he talks for like three hours and i'm able to turn that down to about 50 minutes so
2: oh i wish i could do that
0: i'm <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting, getting tag teamed here all they need now is luchador mass and i feel like i'm definitely in the bad spot
1: <laughs> i got like five or six in the bedroom if you never mind <laughs> your doors or mask, both. <laughs> Just their mask. <laughs> wow, Still on their faces. We 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 wow. We're off the rails already. Great.
0: <laughs> well, for listeners that are wondering, this is a um, a crossover podcast. Earlier this week, the Derek on Derek's podcast, Monster Kid Radio. He and I did join together and did. Talked about Conan the Barbarian.
2: Why couldn't I be in on that one? Like out of the two, uh, you brought me in on this one. Derek didn't want you on the <laughs> oh. show. <laughs> I
1: didn't say hey, that. Don't pin this on Derek. I never said that.
0: I asked him if he wanted Ben and McHale, and he never he said, he never said yes or no. He just gave me silence, which I assumed, but no.
1: <laughs> I I don't remember this at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but don't, don't blindside Derek um, like that. Come on.
1: <laughs> well he could probably sneak he up
0: invite
2: on me. me to your house <laughs> it's on your podcast
1: you would i'm the guest <laughs> <all right.
3: laughs>
1: but
0: and obviously we're doing conan the destroyer and if, so if you want to get the the best of both worlds watch both i mean watch yeah, that'd be great if this was all you know listen to both episodes oh okay <laughs> you could watch both on youtube too. Derek's it has yeah. no video on it but it does have the audio are you starting to do video now on the uh, the Monster Kid Radio? Uh,
1: you know, it's just an audio upload on YouTube, but there are people that are consuming it on YouTube that way. So every once in a while, I'll sneak a, an actual video into the YouTube for um, I don't know, just whatever. Uh, in fact, I will be doing a quote unquote unboxing video uh, for a book that I got in the mail. Kind of already know what it is, so it's going to be a great unboxing video. But I'll do an unboxing video on YouTube. On the Monster Kid Radio side of things, uh, here shortly. Or maybe by the time this goes out, i will already be up there. But yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff on YouTube. So, with MKR and everything else.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you're doing with mm-hmm. Comic and mm-hmm.
1: Dice Monster Dice. That's right. Yeah, we do. Uh, Dice Monster Dice is my role playing game YouTube channel where I have a show that comes out every two to three weeks called the Untitled Generation X Nerd Show. With myself and Mike Marisitz, who is a co-author on a project I'm working on, and a game designer on a whole bunch of things that I'm working on. Um, and then I'll also be launching a short series on there called Dungeons and Dragons and Derek. So that'll be coming up on that channel as well as Monster Bist. And saw so it is slowly because it takes a lot more to edit those videos, but it is starting to finally come together.
0: Excellent. And for those that don't know, Derek is you. also a writer. And Derek, tell me about your book.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I have a book out there right now on Amazon. There is a sequel planned to come out later this year, actually, a follow-up uh this is called monster hunter for hire it is uh, volume one of the supernatural solutions the mark temple case files it's a collection of short stories featuring a man by the name of mark temple who is hired to deal with well supernatural uh issues if there's a vampire on an airplane or a werewolf in the middle of idaho or just a ram- random zombie shows up somewhere he's your man to call he will deal with it costs a lot of money but you know these are special cases Uh, You can find that on Amazon at MarkTemple.com, and Mark is spelled with a C, so it's M-A-R-C, and then Temple.com. There is a follow-up in the works called Call for a Quote, which will be another collection of at least five more stories featuring Mark Temple and the events that happen in his world.
0: And for those that are looking up on Amazon, um, when you look for Derek's name, his last name is pronounced Cook, but it's not spelt like you would think Cook is normally spelt. It's K-O-C-H.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, if you go to Marktemple.com, I've got that set up as a shortcut to go straight to the Monster Hunter for Hire page on Amazon. And uh, I've got an author page on Amazon as well. You can click to through that. So,
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, Derek, there's one thing I don't know if you've ever seen. Have you ever, st- not seen, but have you ever heard about the movie Unearth?
1: I feel like with a title like that, I should. Um, it, it, and I feel like maybe I even have someone across cross it, but I can't be for sure. I have so many movie titles floating around in my gray matter, I have no idea. Well, we're
0: going to play a promo for it in just a second, but I interviewed the filmmakers for it and it came out on episode 51. For, for people that are listening to this podcast for the first time, you can go back to episode 51 and learn more about the behind the scenes of it. But for give people an idea what it's about, we're going to play the promo for it right now.
4: Hello, listener. John Lyons here, one of the filmmakers behind the new fracking horror film, Unearth. Unearth follows two neighboring farm families whose relationships are strained when one of them chooses to lease their land to a natural gas company. In the midst of the growing tension, the land is drilled and something long dormant and terrifying deep beneath the Earth's surface is released. The film stars the legendary Adrienne Barbeau and Buffy alum Mark Blucas.
5: I don't think you guys are seeing the full picture. Catherine, look around you. You got a highway at the back of your field now. And where's your dairy
3: business? In my farm? The world is leaving us behind. But if you make a tree good, its fruit will be good. You make a tree bad, its fruit's gonna be bad. We don't need fucking fruit. We need a miracle. Yeah. George. Hey, Catherine, you make the decisions that's best for your family.
4: make the decisions that's best for mine. Unearth takes a dramatic slow burn approach to the real world horrors facing many of us today in the tall shadows of big industry. Starting July 6th Unearth is available to buy or rent on all the major VOD platforms including Amazon Video, Apple Movies, YouTube and Google Play, Voodoo, Xbox and Fandango Now. For more information about Unearth, just listen to our interview here with Stephen on Diecast, or go to unearthmovie.com, where you can also find the soundtrack, poster, shirts, and pre-order the extras-packed Blu-ray later this summer. Thanks for supporting indie film, and now back to the show.
0: So, Derek, having hearing that little bit of, about the movie, what do you think?
1: I'm fracking excited.
0: what one of its tagline is is it's a fracking horror
1: film i i caught that at the beginning that's why yeah It's not as funny if you have to explain the joke but yeah, okay but it's it's a it's a drama
0: horror film and as he said it's a slow burn Mm -hmm. which is to me when i saw it and i was able to see it um last year at the film festival level uh, it's very enjoyable. And in wow. Adrian Barbeau, it's like, I'm like some, when he bring names and they're only in there for a couple of minutes, she is in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she is an integral part of the movie. She is in there for a good, very good portion of it. Um, All, all the first half of the movie is basically full character development. And the second half, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> now for deck, I don't know if you, when, no. when you go to watch this movie, it's a low budget horror film. There's two things yeah. besides the cast, which you heard a few of the actors in it. It's it's yeah, Adrian Barbeau. I mean, that's awesome, and Mark Lucas, and um, there's a whole bunch of others. It also has, I know you like this, an awesome soundtrack. Nice, and which which as they said it's available. You can get it digitally on their website, but the special effects are excellent. A lot of practical
1: effects, very little CGI. It's called Unearth and there is a website you said? Yes. Do you know where? I would love to check out that score.
0: Oh, Unearth. It's 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 basically if you type in Unearth the movie should pop you should be able to pop right up. If not, I'll forward it to you after this. I don't have it on the top, I don't have the exact address right off the top of my head.
1: Okay. Yeah, I wasn't able to find it easily, but you know, I'm also running like three or four different web browsers at the moment so i'll look it up later but that sounds awesome and uh yeah if it's got a good score i'm you've already got me you know interested so yeah that's great man and adrian barbeau is awesome i love that she is committing to these horror projects the way that she does these indie projects she's great
0: exactly what can you say about her she's just wonderful
1: Yeah, that takes the a- scores by jane saunders and i don't know who that is
0: interesting And they talk about how she came up with the score during her interview. So, again, episode 51, listen to that. You get some behind the scenes. We don't spoil anything in the interview, so you can watch – and you can listen to that that before you watch it. Have no problems at all. And um, there are – I will say this. when They they did talk about um, when they were showing it at the different theaters recently, just to give it a little bit of a premiere before it goes to digital. Mm -hmm. They actually had one person during one scene leave the theater – and have to um, regurgitate during one of the scenes. So there, there is there is a scene that's a little bit of a a gross. I know I, I figured out what scene they were talking about. And I asked them later on. And I was correct, but it's uh it's it, there. Was, there was I figured it had to be this one scene. When you see the movie, you'll know. Okay, I personally didn't <laughs> think I was going to get sick. I mean, I didn't get sick from watching. I didn't think it was
1: that. But but everybody has a different level. <laughs>
2: So is it grosser? Sounds like a bunch
1: of lightweights, just to me.
2: <laughs> is it grosser than when Arnold rips the horn off of the giant monster, or less
1: gross? Look at that! He give that man a contract. <laughs> he is smooth when it comes to these podcast segues. That was awesome. Because
2: I I just watched it today before I went to work, and I got to say I didn't realize how gross that scene actually was until I was watching it again, and I was like. Yeah. Mm, I don't want to look at this anymore. But
0: Conan the Destroyer, the PG sequel to the rated R, Conan the Barbarian.
1: That is not number one.
3: <laughs>
0: and why did it happen? It's because the producers thought they would make more money if it had a lower rating because more young a younger audience would be able to come in.
2: So they Disney'd it.
0: It's not Disney. Disney
1: doesn't own everything. Yet.
2: (laughs) Yet. (laughs) That we know of.
1: Well, okay, wait a minute. Technically, a lot of this comes from the Conan the Barbarian comic books that were published by Marvel in the 70s. And who owns Marvel? Disney. But it was a
0: contract from
1: the estate. Yeah. So who
0: owns Conan? Not Disney.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a whole another conversation.
2: Um, (laughs) I wish they did. Because then we'd get more Conan stuff. Yeah, but it wouldn't be rated R. That's okay. As long as... The one thing Disney does is they continue franchises pretty well. And I'd rather have stuff about Conan come out than have nothing for so long. That's that's just my opinion. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. I'm still grumpy
1: at... Hey, I'm still grumpy at Amazon for not following through when they were going to do a Conan project a few years back. So, yeah, I hear you.
0: you're bringing the man down you can't
1: bring down sir Derek.
2: hey this is this (laughs) is (laughs) common misery right here yep but this
1: so yeah much like the police academy franchise the first film's rated r this one is rated pg to try to try to bring in more people and i don't know how well it did because i did not bother to look um clearly it didn't do well enough to make a third well it budget (laughs) the budget
0: was 18 million and it made between 26 and 31 million, depending on, I guess, who you do the accounting with. So it made profit. And that's just the U.S. Okay. If, you, if you had overseas, I'm sure it made back its money. And I think the reason there was never the sequel, Arnold had a, a contract for three movies. They did Red Sonja. And then Arnold was like, hasta la vista, baby, because he was doing all That's when his career took off. And um, mm-hmm. the, you know the rest for him is history, as everybody knows what happened with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And of course, nowadays he would like to come back to do King Conan. He's he's age appropriate, still in excellent shape. I mean, it would be mm-hmm. great if um they're able to do and 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 an now R rated action is more um, common common, especially like with the Deadpool movies. You know, you, you're not worried about the younger crowd. You're going to bring in the money. I think it would it would be. Great to see, you know, if the, if the, if the script was right and uh, the right action and the right director, I think we'd all be happy.
2: I also, yeah. I yeah. would also have some personal stake in that because I bought that collectible Conan, King Conan statue a couple years ago. So I would like to see King Conan come back to raise its price for resale, maybe.
0: The one that you gave to I'm me. I'm on it. I'm
1: in it. I'm in there, man. I, I'm I'm for it. I'm all in.
0: Wait a minute, the King Conan statue that you gave to me for my birthday.
2: Yes, just to prove that I didn't blow off money on it that I shouldn't have.
0: He's already he's already waited for me to die, Derek, and get and move the memorabilia.
2: Hey, I just got a note. You did say when you die, I have to take all the comic books and make sure I don't get ripped off.
0: All 10,000 plus comic books <laughs> are all his. And I got I got Fantastic 4s going back to ep, uh, issue 51. So Right there's, on. Some, there's some good yeah. stuff there. A lot of Conan too, but never the case, that's not about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Ben, why don't you give us, since you just saw it the most recently, why don't you give us a little summary of what the movie is, what happens?
2: So Conan gets conscripted or tricked by the leader of a small city state in order to take her, her niece on a magical quest to find a gem to then go and use that gem to find a horn to then summon an evil demon god thing. That's basically the gist of it. Along the way, um, of course, the niece starts to have feelings for Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Conan. uh, Gross. Yes. Yes and Conan <laughs> forms a group of followers who are not very similar to the followers he had in the first movie unfortunately and you get a lot of um Conan rev- reminiscing about his lost love Valeria and a lot of um a lot of weird <laughs> a lot of talking and fighting it's they're either talking or they're fighting that's basically it
0: all right. So before we start talking about more about what happens in the movie, let's talk about the cast. Um, Derek and I talked a lot about Arnold Schwarzenegger in the first movie, but Derek, what'd you think about his performance as Conan in this one as compared to the. the I didn't original? like
1: it as much. I did not like it as much at all. It was too Hollywood. It was too slick. Um, I like my Conan to be a little rough around the edges and I felt like this Conan was not as rough and ready as the last one was. Um, I know it's the same character. I know it's the same actor. Uh, I feel like Arnold has got a better grasp of the English language at this point um, and, and knows how to work in Hollywood at this point. Whereas in the first one, he seemed a little bit more barbaric to me. But I, I wasn't a huge fan of his performance, man. No.
2: I kind of got the same thing. I thought he did a lot more muscle flexes every time he was holding his sword mm-hmm. this time than he did in the first one. Um, yeah. I also felt that there were times where they, they would just only show him in, in the fight scene. I guess it might have just been for effect reasons, but um, different fight scenes where you would get a shot of the enemy, then a shot of him, and then a shot of a net pulling two people to the ground, but then you just see two people laying on the ground. I, I thought it could have been better executed yeah. in places.
1: There are some really odd editing choices made. Through this film, things like that, um, and you know, the director has gone on record by saying that he thought Arnold was too clothed in the first film. He wanted to make sure that Arnold was ninety nine percent undressed and oily, <laughs> um, which again adds to that slickness that that I didn't like as much.
0: Well, part of what the interesting editing is that the original cut of this film was rated R, and they had to mm-hmm. cut it down to get the PG rating. And so a lot of scenes were cut out. Um, and so the fighting could have been effective where, you know, here you already filmed it. And then they're like, Oh, and, and the director was trying to film for PG thought he was doing PG. And um, you know, and, and I guess, you know, Richard Flesher was surprised when he found out, Oh no, it's rated R. And then they had to go back to the editing room to get it down to the PG where I think if there would have been a PG 13 rating at this time, I think it it would have been a little different. It might've been, it might not have been as many cuts as, as they, as they made to it.
1: That's a really good point. Um, that's not something I would have considered. So yeah, that's a really good point. If they had to make a bunch of cuts, I could see the fight scenes being trimmed to get rid of some of the splashiness. (laughs) So yeah, that makes sense.
2: One of the characters that I did enjoy in the fight scenes was Bombada that will Wilt Chamberlain played. I thought he did a very good job, especially since it was his first film.
0: his only film. Yeah. I love Will Chamberlain. This actually, I... this is what started this whole Conan crossover was, was Wilt Chamberlain. I was on Derek's show. Somehow Wilt Chamberlain came up and I said, and Derek's like, what film is he in? I said, Conan the destroyer. And I think Derek said something bad about it. I said, what's so, what's so wrong with Conan? I said, what's, what's so bad or wrong with Conan the destroyer? And which led to people commenting on his show and which led to this two movie event happening. (laughs) Right, Derek?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Listeners wanted this. yeah no i i agree with ben no i am that uh, i was more impressed than i remember being impressed with this film now to be clear i hadn't seen this movie in at least a decade before rewatching it for this conversation we're having now and i think the last time i saw it it might have even been edited for television so it was cut even more than what we have on disc now and uh I don't remember liking Wilt Chamberlain thinking that he felt stiff, but as I'm watching it now, I, I kind of liked it and I, I liked the, the performance. And then I'm going to say the word nuance here. I don't know if that's too strong a word, but like some of the nuance that he added to that character.
0: I, I really enjoyed his portrayal. And I thought, uh, I mean, it's his only film, so we have nothing else to compare him to film wise, but I mean, as a physical specimen compared to Arnold, you have that one-foot height differential, at least. And Will Chamberlain is a physical marvel. Because this is one, that I believe, after he retired from the NBA. So he's a lot older than Arnold. But he just looks like somebody that could take on ten guys. I mean, it, you, you, like, mano a mano, that fight between him and Conan at the end... Is, is a great fight, and you just, you're waiting for it and waiting for it. And I thought it was a good fisticuffs.
1: Well, if anything else, or excuse me, if nothing else, he's got reach. You know, the dude was what? I'm seeing things that say 6'11, some are saying one. he He's got reach. He's going to hit you before you get anywhere near him. Uh, and you give him that, well, that Morningstar looking thing that he was swinging around, that mace. Now that's deadly. And uh, I, I bought it. I bought it.
0: And I think the movie definitely portrayed both of them as being very strong because they're, they're pretty much doing the physical parts together, like where they're lifting the doors to try to keep them up until somebody could go put the latch or breaking things. They were considered um, almost like equals in a lot of aspects. Like the, the evil version of Conan, I guess you could put it.
2: I don't know if I would consider okay. him evil. Yeah. I would consider him more like... Ignoring justice to follow his duty, I guess more almost along the lines of just doing his job versus consciously being evil.
1: There's a little bit of nobility to him. Yeah, we can see that.
2: I can see
0: that too. But he, but again, he was protecting the princess in order to take her to the slaughterhouse. So I mean, you know, it's it's, a, it's hard. He knows yeah. what the end game is. So it's but it, I think it was an interest. Ben and I were talking about this earlier the interesting dynamic with his character was, is how anytime something happened with the princess, um, Olivia de Abu, she kept always screaming out his name to come. And like when she had a nightmare, he rushed to her side and Ben was like saying to me, why would he be doing that? Why would she always yell his name? And I said, probably because he was the single parent to her probably from growing up. He was the father figure, the mother figure. He was everything. Uh, I, I couldn't see that coming from the queen played deliciously by Sarah Douglas. You know, it's just, it's, you know, you can't really see her being the, the, uh, the motherly type.
2: Right. I, did, I didn't say why. I just said, I thought it was funny that every time something like they they could be standing really close together while the ceiling is collapsing and they're exiting that ice castle thing in the middle of a lake. And she's just screaming his name. And I'm like, but he's right there anyway. <laughs>
1: Well, there's a conversation that she has with him at one point about whether or not Conan is handsome and how Bumbad is the only other man she's ever seen or, or or been around. So, I mean, her her exposure to what um, you know men can be or anybody else can be really has been very limited. And uh, like you were saying, single father kind of role, probably I could see that totally. You know, he is her guard. He is her confidant. He is her, you know, whatever protector. So, yeah, that makes, yeah, I I, I bought it. I'm going to blow some minds by, before, I mean, not to kind of derail things. I'm going to blow some minds by saying that I didn't hate this movie as much as I may have let on that I do hate this movie. So, um, you are still listening to the same podcast if I say anything positive about this
3: movie. (laughs) I mean, this
2: movie. I've not
1: been replaced by a pod person.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This movie definitely had some positives, but it also did have some drawbacks. Like, we'll
0: get to those in a minute. We're still doing the cast. Boy, you, you just want to...
2: One of the cast members I thought was a drawback.
0: Well, I want to talk about, since you mentioned the princess, Olivia Diabo, who was an award-winning for this movie. She won an award in, as an actress for this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the Razzie Award for Best New Star, <laughs> or Worst New Star, whatever. But yeah. she's an... Op- but you can't take away award-winning actress.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's no Hall of Fame, but I understand. No, I don't. I don't think she deserved like a, a that, that kind of award. But like, I thought she gave kind of like just a. I thought a lot of the people gave like an average performance. Like, I wouldn't say Arnold Schwarzenegger did anything extraordinary in the film. He just kind of gave like a average hero in a movie performance and she gave kind of like an average leading princess in a movie performance. Uh, Grace Jones definitely gave a better performance and I enjoyed a uh, Mako. Whoa. I don't think I can say his last name. Uh, I thought his performance was pretty good.
0: But what did you guys think of Grace Jones? Cause Roger Ebert he, when this movie came out, singled her out for praise saying she was like a rock star performance and Roger Ebert by the way gave this three out of four stars he gave this movie a thumbs up
2: I don't know who that is so
1: Rob Derek knows
2: <laughs> oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, I feel 10 years older all of a sudden Derek, this uh. is this is what it's like when I, a,
0: when I do when I work with Mikhail and Ben I'll mention stuff and they'll just look at me with these blank stares and it's it, it, it is what it is one day it's going to happen to
1: them
2: i just got to say name dropping only works when the other person knows the name you're dropping
1: um yeah grace jones <laughs> she's a bond girl she's now charismatic she's charismatic She is super charismatic. It's really hard to take your eyes off her and not just because she's very, very little. Um, There's just something that kind of magnetic about her. Um, I found her performance to be pretty one note. I didn't find anything extraordinary about what she did, but what she did do, she did consistently. Does that make sense? Yeah. I didn't feel like she was like a standout. Um, she was supposed to play a particular character. She was given three sentences to describe her character and that was her character, you know? Um, but again, she's charismatic and some people, you know, sometimes that's all you need. And this movie, that's all she needed.
0: And her character Zulu gave the princess Zula, I'm sorry, Zula gave the princess relationship (laughs) advice. So it's not often you get to, you know, (laughs) so instead of dear Abby, it's dear Zula. (laughs) How do I get a man? You take
1: them. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, <laughs> Great pretty <to see> much.
2: <laughs> I will say I thought she brought a lot more energy in a lot of the scenes that focused on her than many of the other characters. Um, I found a lot some of the performances to be very unenergetic or deadpan, which I thought was just didn't fit with the movie as much. Yeah.
0: Now Mako also returned from the first movie to this one as a different character, a similar character, but a different character, different name,
1: still the narrator. Is it a different character though? I mean, I know, but I don't,
2: he's not as Aryan, dude, (laughs) the same dude. I
0: don't know why they didn't call him the same name, but I'm the reason I'm saying it's a different character because it's a different name and they're both wizards. They wear, different, they, they wear somewhat similar clothes, but different color. I mean, I don't know. But in the, I always like makeup. I mean, I, I've, I've enjoyed him all the time. I even enjoyed him when he was in the last Airbender cartoon series. Um, I'm doing that reference so Ben knows what I'm talking about. <laughs>
2: he was the general, wasn't so, he? So. No, no. He, he was a general, uh, her uncle. He was the uncle. Who was a general.
0: At one time, maybe, but not at that time that was going
1: on.
2: I know who you mean. I know who. You mean. What makes
1: you say he's a different character?
2: Doesn't doesn't he? Because have...
1: he's not given a name in the first film. He's Does just he... called the wizard.
2: Doesn't he have a lot more? He name doesn't have in the a first one.
1: Well, times past.
2: That's right? true.
0: That's
1: true. I think
0: he was given a name in the first
1: one. I'm I'm double. You know the, the internet movie database never lies.
2: Now <laughs> it did seem like he recognized. And he's just looking at the wizard there. It did seem like he recognized yeah. Conan in this one, like they knew each other.
0: Yeah, he was called the Wizard of the Mound, and this one—I mean, what I'm reading it says he's different. I look at it because the first one he was more a little more of—not um, battle ready. You never because he, he he put on all that armor and he actually, I guess you could say, he killed somebody, but it was almost like by accident. But he did. He was he was in that wonderful turtle-like armor in the first movie, right? Again, yeah. But in this one he's not that way, and he seems to be more less more energetic about it getting into the fight where in the other ones he was, he was, he was more, this is what you got to do. Go do it. You know, he was not always the only time he joined the battle was when it kind of came close to his, his mound.
1: So I, and I hear what you're saying. Um, To me, I guess I can make it work in my head that having been with Conan and surviving the battle of the mound, he's a little bit more, he's kind of gotten over some of that and he's able to get more actively involved. Um, The IMDb doesn't give him a different name for Conan the Barbarian, and Wikipedia says it's the same dude. But, again, these are Internet sources, so I don't know. I always just assumed it was the same guy.
0: When I first saw the film when I was 15 years old in the movie theater, I thought it was the same guy at that time. I'm just saying now I'm starting to think it might You know, – I'm thinking it's two different characters played by the same actor. But it could be the same guy. I mean, whatever the case, he always brings – he always does a good job. I don't blame, I don't yeah, blame on with
1: these guys.
0: Yeah. I'm not blaming sure. actors for what the script says that they have to say, you know, I mean, I'm not going to blame sure. them for that stuff. I mean, the, the script is not as good as the first movie. And I think that's where a lot of the flaws is the script and the forced PG rating that, you know, and, and some of the special effects, but which we'll get to mm-hmm. in a little bit, but I mean, otherwise
3: mm-hmm.
0: I, I've I always enjoyed him. I've, I've yet to see him do, a bad performance in any movie I've seen him in, or any voice work, or any of that stuff. He always seems to bring a good, a, a solid, solidness to spectacular.
1: Highlander four,
2: the best movie ever made. <laughs> not,
1: not to, ru- I'm sorry, Highlander three. Excuse me, Highlander three. Not to ruin it or anything, but you know, like, yeah. Derek, be careful what you say
0: because listeners will start calling yeah. your podcast. Oh, now you guys got to talk about Highlander.
2: <laughs> you mean Highlander, the greatest? <laughs> no, sci-fi we don't. Of all time? Hey, that first one had a pretty good soundtrack.
1: The first Highlander's great, and it should have stopped.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that the second Highlander, it was. The, 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 I'm not. I'm, we're not going to go in there. It's just. It's the, let's just. Let's just say it. there's a Highlander reboot in the works, supposedly with Henry Cavill, the plane, the Highlander. But
3: yeah.
2: why? <laughs> because that's the real reason. Why?
1: Now, Sarah the Douglas. Real question, though, is. The real question, though, is that will it star Henry Cavill's mustache? That's what I want to know.
2: The handlebar that he had in a... Oh, what was that? He's, he's saying
0: that because of the Superman movie where they you know, they they took it out. And let the, the,
1: the, they had to CG it out of the original Justice League movie. Justice anyway, League movie. Sarah Douglas. Sarah he, Douglas. Sarah, Justice League movie starred features superman and 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 sarah douglas was in the superman movie i'm trying to get you back on track
0: yeah i know well i was to sarah douglas too but yeah she was in two the first two superman movies with christopher reeve um and she played the bad person a bad guy there and she plays the uh, the head baddie here and And she's a bad guy in beastmaster 2 as well (laughs) oh (laughs) another movie on par with this one (laughs) and and in v the 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 second miniseries
2: that's right (laughs) (laughs) She did do the bad guy crazy eyes, right?
1: Oh, she's great as a villain. Oh, she's amazing as a villain. Um, I didn't care that she was a villain. I had such a crush on her as a kid, dude.
2: Mm. Um, (laughs) I gotta say, she didn't have much to work with in this film in terms of screen time, but I think what she did when she was on screen was well executed.
0: Well, according to Sarah Douglas, with the editing a lot of the scenes that she was in were edited out she had a sex scene with arnold that was cut she had a scene oh. where she was having simulated sex <laughs> with the statue cut and um, there was another scene also that she said that she was in that was cut. so she was in several scenes that were cut
3: okay
1: i mean this movie directed by richard fleischer who directed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for Disney. What is this guy doing <laughs> on set to get these? I don't have
2: <laughs> When she said simulated sex with a statue, I was like, okay, I'm glad it got cut now. <laughs> well, here,
1: here, I'll read exactly
0: what she said. It said, In- including a sex scene with Schwarzenegger, slapping Chamberlain, a virgin sacrifice, and the seduction of a statue
2: seduction how does one seduce a statue
0: well if i ever interview sarah douglas i'll ask her (laughs) (laughs) and we'll we'll have we'll have it on the record then how she seduced the statue we'll never get to see it obviously because if it was if the footage was out there it would already be on a blu-ray with conan the destroyer
1: (laughs) maybe yeah yeah oh man she's great in this though I, i she's I feel like a lot of the people in this film, they have that, like I said, that charisma, you can't help, but watch them. Um, and she just, what did you, did you use the word deliciously evil or delicious in her performance? Deliciously well, a, a delicious
0: performance. She was just it's exactly what you, it's like when you watch like Martine Beswick, who also plays evil characters so well, when or Vincent Price, you have certain people that are able to bring
1: the good bad to the movie. <laughs> yeah Yeah, if you don't have a good villain your, your movies, especially a movie like this Any kind of fantasy or sword and sorcery, you need a good, strong villain Which is another reason why Call the Conqueror sucks But this is <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I'm, I'm on my Robert E. Howard, Howard horse all of a sudden I'm sorry
0: That's okay, That's, oh, Sir Derek, I it's okay you, you are Sir Derek, Hall Just of Famer
1: <laughs> let, it flow. It let the
0: it
2: consciousness on. flow.
0: Now, for those those that love Star Trek, the original series, we have a we have a character, an actor in this movie that was in that Jeff Corey.
2: Just skipping to Jeff Corey,
0: Grand Vizier. I'm well. I always I always love Jeff Corey. I mean, what can you say? Have you ever seen him do anything? I mean, in a movie that's that's bad, he's always. I mean, he's always been like I said with Mako. You a great, you know, you get a solid performance every time, all the time, and he brings it.
1: No, he's a great character actor. He knew what he was good at, and he did it really well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, now and he's got a great voice,
0: a really just, good
2: voice. Are we just gonna skip over Conan's sidekick, who was for some reason in this movie? I was gonna, I was Can waiting,
0: we? I was waiting for last because hey. I didn't want to bring Derek down too much. But, yeah, we'll bring up Tracy Walter, who was a last minute substitute.
2: It felt like a last-minute substitute. I gotta say, I feel bad after finding out that this was like last-minute. Went right in and had to do it because I, I would hope that if he had more time with the script or something, he would have been able to do a better performance. Because this one,
0: Derek, do you know who originally was supposed to play Malik? No, David Lander, Squiggy from *Laverne and Shirley*. Oh. My. And he ended up he he got ill with multiple sclerosis, which ended up um, he'd suffered from that point on. to the rest of his life ended up being what killed him. But he was originally going to be Squiggy. I mean, a Squiggy, but Malik. Malik. So I don't know if it would have been a big difference between the two. I don't. So I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to blame the performer because Tracy Walter has done a lot of other movies, lots of other movies. And he's so much better in them. I really think he came in the last minute. This He looked at his script and said, oh, I'm just supposed to say these funny lines or whatever. And just, just da 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 da, whatever. And just did what he had to do.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, I'm trying real hard not to blame the actor. Um, but I hated that character with a red hot passion. Yeah, I I, I was I mm, just mm, no mm, no. <laughs> that was great podcasting, by the way. All the grimacing and faces I was making, yeah. And the um, and and
0: the slashing at your neck. You know.
1: <laughs> I I I I, mm, I don't like to yuck it up when it comes to my fantasy stories or my genre stuff. I don't like throwing in one-liners left and right. I don't like drawing attention to the humor in the scene. Humor can be there, but let it be natural. And I felt like this character was doing everything it possibly could to say, ha ha, look at me, I'm funny! And I can't imagine Conan suffering a fool like that for very long.
2: Yeah, I thought maybe the funniest scene that he was in was at the end where the princess said that every court needs a fool. Uh, after watching that whole movie, I was like, ah, oh, ha, ha. they finally got him. That was the joke. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was, it was a lot yeah. of setup for, for like, very little payoff.
2: <laughs> to me, I don't know whether well, there's the soundstage they were on combined with the script or script or something, but it sounded like every line he delivered was delivered exactly the same to me
1: it sounded like it was like done in post. It was ADR dialogue is what it sounded like to me. It didn't yeah. seem to match everybody else's.
2: It almost sounded like it had a different audio quality to it. And it was, yeah. to me, I thought it was really weird. I was like, it sounds like this dude's whispering really loudly. And Schwarzenegger yeah. sounds better than he. Like what's going on?
0: You know, Derek, that that is yeah. interesting. I never thought of it that way, but we've, we've, we've seen other movies you and I, where they had to have the actor come in and redo their audio and uh, their lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think, Russ, Russ Tamberlin with um, mm-hmm. oh, what was it, um, Warder Gargantua's or?
1: Yeah, that's the one he's done Yeah,
0: and he literally just phoned in his audio.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm sure yeah. he wishes he could go back and fix it now. Cause then it was just a movie you always see once, but now it's like, it's it's taken on a life of its own. And, uh, right. and I think with this one, maybe his performance was a lot better. If we had had, if, they, if the original audio would have been captured, it's hard to say. Cause it, unless they changed the dialogue, I think we'd still be suffering some issues, but maybe the delivery was better or imagine if the delivery was worse. And this is the better version.
1: Oh man. <laughs> Yeah. And and I know the guy that played the thief sidekick in the first film was not a professional actor. Um, Jerry Lopez. But I, I I really wanted him. And I almost felt like they were trying to almost trick us into thinking it was the same guy. Because there's a scene where they're going through the city. Hey, look at that camel. Remember what happened last time? Kind of like, a is that a reference to what happened with the camel in the first film? I don't know. But, yeah, it just... I always thought that hands. too, but the they had to edit out the original part with the camel. Um, yeah, now that you're saying you talked about that, like now I'm wondering if that was because the case.
0: they used wires to pull the front hooves down, like when when he a hit or whatever, and so they they cut that scene. So you always say the second part with the camel. What
2: well, are you talking about? The first movie? Gotcha.
0: No, this movie. According to according to the all-knowing Wikipedia.
2: Well, when I just <laughs> watched it. I saw him, Arnold Schwarzenegger's riding on a horse by the camel, and he says, "Sorry about last time." Yeah, they cut the and earlier the scene. Horse spits at him, and the then camel. he hits the horse. The camel spits at him, gets all over me, hits it on the head, and the camel goes down.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think they said, "I don't know, whatever." I thought it was always the original camel from the first movie.
1: I always thought it was a nod to that, like uh, which is weird too. Like, how do you recognize <laughs> you recognize that camel over the? <laughs> Okay, buddy.
2: All right. I didn't recognize that it was the, the same, same camel city. The first, yeah like, oh, I yeah, thought this true. was a different city. I thought we had moved geographical locations. I was like, what? Oh, yep.
0: man, of course, maybe he does this to all the camels. You never know. He <laughs> just, just has a thing hunter. about camels it's Conan right. the camel killer. No, he doesn't kill them, he just hits them. <laughs> but that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> now he wants like that it. movie. You know, it's Conan the camel killer.
1: <laughs> right I, I smell some fan fiction being written right now
2: <laughs> hey, if they can make a movie or a TV series about a robot chicken they can make one about Conan the Camel Killer
1: they will never spit in
0: I'm
3: my I'm face in.
0: again
1: <laughs> oh man no, I yeah
2: <laughs> oh when we mentioned <laughs> the audio it just kind of came to me every time that they hit something whether it was um, Conan or bombada it made the same like hitting noise in the sound effects and i was always like huh that's the same noise as last time there were yeah
1: a lot of issues with the sound um design with this um, which is something that i just become more and more aware of as time goes on since i've done so much audio stuff now for folks and it Derek is shaking his head. You gotta vary it up, man. Yeah, switch it up. You gotta switch it up, man. You can't just do the same clink, clink every time a sword hits something. And a sword hitting the ground doesn't make the same sound as a sword hitting somebody else's sword, which is stupid, by the way. That's not how you fight with swords. (laughs) It makes a different sound when it hits a mirror. It makes a different sound when it hits a dude. Just... Yeah.
2: On a side note, when you mentioned the mirror, I thought that it was cool that they added villain like villainous monsters into the movie that were stronger than Conan. Cause I don't think they had that as often in the first one, he was more of the strongest person around, but in this mm-hmm. one you got that mirror monster wizard thing. And the uh, the monster that was suit acted by Andre the giant at the end where they were both yep. seemed to be stronger than Conan, at least for a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think in the Conan yeah. the Bulbarian, the really, the, the big monster was the giant snake.
1: Yeah, in terms of, like, monsters, you're right. Conan the Barbarian is pretty light on monsters, which really is more true to the Robert E. Howard stories anyway. Yeah, there were some monsters, like Tower of the Elephant and things like that, but it wasn't thick with monsters. This one had a lot more going for it in terms of the monster and creature department.
0: Now, let's go into the movie. Derek, we'll start with you. Um, what, was, <laughs> what was one of your What was one of the scenes you liked best? Oh, besides the end credits. (laughs) (sighs) What what are you liked? You enjoyed. It might've put a smile to your face. (laughs) You know, that scene right before it ended. (laughs) Derek is pondering folks. He's now coming up with an answer.
1: Having watched it just maybe like an hour or so ago, hour and a half ago or so before we started recording. Um, I didn't mind the final fight with the living statue. I thought it was pretty well cut together. I thought the pacing of it was was actually pretty good, especially now knowing that they cut a bunch of it out because of needing to get the writing down. I still think it held up pretty well. I like the ickiness of the horn. (laughs) Um, I like that it is overpowering Conan quite a bit. And I like that it defied my expectations because the music is starting to get to another swell. It got the horn removed. It's trying to get back up off the stairs. And you think, well, it's not dead yet. It's going to keep fighting. And then it just kind of ended the way that it did. And I thought that was an interesting choice to make to kind of end the fight that way. Um, So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll say the final fight between Conan and the statue uh, Dagon or Dagos or whatever
0: you want to call it. I, I love the um effect with the ripping out the, the horn too. I think Ben mentioned that earlier. Ben go
2: I thought that it was rather it's gross, grotesque. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It kinda it caught me off guard because I was looking at something else then I looked up at it and then I just saw a horn getting ripped out of the head and I was like, oh that looks like a real horn getting ripped out of a real head there. Yeah. <laughs> so of the special effects in the movie, of course that was the One that got me for being realistic. (laughs) You know, I, you know what?
1: I'll come back to it. I'll circle back around. All
0: right, Ben, what's one of your favorite scenes?
2: That opening credits thing where they were doing the narration and then you got that, the sound, this is where the soundtrack was good. The opening was solid with the narration and the horses moving. That was, it gave you a lot of, Feelings of this is going to be a solid movie. And then you get to that first real scene and you're like, "Never mind." that that's what it hit me. <laughs> I was like, this had so much potential and the it point was majestic. Right, yeah, yeah. It was a great opening with the, it had just yeah. the amount, just the right amount of narration to open up the movie. The music was solid for that part. You got the horses going, mm-hmm. you see they're traveling and then, all of a sudden the fight's random. <laughs> like
1: yeah.
0: one of my favorite scenes is and I besides, I really enjoyed the opening too because and Derek and I talked about with Conan the Barbarian. The music is just wonderful in Conan the Barbarian, and he took a lot of it into Conan the Destroyer. Um mm-hmm. but I think the fight with between Wilt the Stilt and Arnold, Conan and Bomb Bombada. Bombada. You know, that was, that was, it was worthwhile. I mean, I, I wish it was a little longer. Well, of course. But then again, they also had the same time the, the the girl, the princess is about to be sacrificed. So this is all going on, you know, cutting between the scenes, but it was, it was a good battle. I said this to Ben earlier because Bombada's character was set up as such a, the caregiver of the princess. I was hoping that nowadays that I think they would have to have had him do is change sides and would have yeah. come and rescued the princess and then he would have been fighting Dagoff and it would have been like a two on one and yeah. and then and then he would have probably died in that fight, which would have really showed you how much of a a a, a badass yeah. Dagoff was taking out you know Will Chamberlain's character and then Conan here's the thing or Conan's gets needs Bombetta to, to distract him while he rips out the horn and he sacrifices himself. That those sure. have been things I think that would have nowadays we would look at a little different, but when I was watching this when I was 15 years old, I enjoyed the whole movie, you know, I mean, you know, I was, you know, I was, sure. you know, I was enjoying it. I and mean, this was back when sci-fi was hitting its prime. I mean, you had crawl, you had sword and the sorcerer, you had *Beastmaster*. you I mean, it was like every year you had one, two or three movies coming out that you're just like, Oh man, this is it. You know, you, you were just living like dark crystal. I mean, you had tons of.
2: The Last Starfighter.
0: That, that's science fiction, but yeah, but I was, I was talking about like more like the Sword and Sandals, but I love Last Starfighter too. Um, you're getting hit with prime stuff, and a lot of them were roughly the same. I mean, you know, you know, it's <laughs> so it's. Oh, sure. You can't. So I, I don't want to argue too much about it, but I'm just going to say that I think nowadays looking at it, if, if they were to redo this film, I think that's something I would change with Bambata's character and have that little bit there. And I think that would have made an interesting end thing, for an interesting character journey for that particular character. It would have had a full arc.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, kind of a sacrifice at the end. I'm always a big fan of, of seeing heroic sacrifice with the character has to go anyway. So that would have been cool to see that like the queen's holding something over him or is offering him something to do this task. And he makes the choice to be the protector that he's always been anyway. Yeah. I would like that.
0: Yeah. I think it would have been been nicer if he would not have known about the, the her being sacrificed, if that would have been kept from his character. And then he didn't find out until the battle with Conan and um, somehow it gets, they bring it up in dialogue and then the, They do the team up, which would have been like the classic superhero thing. The two, two heroes fighting, realizing Mm -hmm. they have a common ground, protect the princess. Hey, let's save her. I think, I think we just made a better movie.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, that we did.
2: (laughs) I almost saw it as Conan didn't care too much about the princess at all. Really? I saw it as more of, he was just ticked off at the lady that lied to him that they could bring Valeria back and just wanted to screw her plans up. Cause at first he was fine with sacrificing the princess. When, uh, a the wizard told him about the prophecy. He, at first he was kind of like, Oh, whatever it is. What it is. We'll see what happens.
0: Uh, well, I don't think it was, I don't think it was processed At the time they yeah. were in the middle of some stuff, but yeah, when he was told that it didn't really, he didn't really care, but it did care
2: later on. I think if he would have gotten Valeria back, I think he would have gone through with killing her. I think that's just what his character was at at this point. I think Conan was supposed to be more emotionally distraught throughout this film than what he was.
1: But Well, I mean, supposedly Schwarzenegger was not happy with the tone of the movie either. He thought it was a little too silly and basically did the movie under protest. So I could see him kind of holding back a little bit. Um, if you thought if you thought this
0: one was silly, eh, the, the, the Red Sonya was following. <laughs> oh. And listeners, if you want Derek to do that one, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to send money.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set up a uh, make Derek suffer Through Red Sonia GoFundMe page, and <laughs> well, because you have to get the therapy sessions afterwards,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> oh man!
0: Well, so, Derek, what else did you? What else did you um, like about it, or not hate? Well, I'm
1: a film. I'm I'm a film score junkie, right? And and I talk about this on my podcast all the time. I love film music, and I love heroic fantasy film music in particular. Not just because you know, it's fun to play during a Dungeons and Dragons game or something, but you know, it's, it's inspiring. It's encouraging. When I was in community college, I took a a fencing class and I had a Walkman with uh, the Conan soundtrack playing while I was practicing because who doesn't want to wave around a sword? I was just spoiled and clogging my hands on while listening to Conan the Barbarian. That's awesome. There are some moments of genius in this film. However, if you don't mind me talking about something I disliked on top of this, there are many, many more moments where it's uninspired. And it's hard to say that because it's Basil Polidorius and his music is masterful, but man, there are so many moments where it didn't work or it was a callback to the previous film in a way that didn't benefit what was happening on screen in this film. And again, if the score was composed for the longer cut and they had to make some changes when they did the edit to get it down to a BG, I could see the score of the soundtrack taking a hit. Um, there's a specific, specific piece of music in the first film. I believe on the C- CD soundtrack album, the title is just The Orgy. Uh, it's, it's the big scene before the three of them come in and they're all painted up black and white and all that. And that's some great music that belongs to that scene and those characters. It has no place in this film. Because the scene and those characters aren't in this film. And there's a lot of moments like that. Conan can have a theme, sure. But don't play Fulls of Doom's music. He's not in this movie. And I felt like that happened a lot in this film. But the moments that stand out, like the stuff at the Crystal Ice Palace thing, that was awesome. The fight between Conan and Bambada, that was great.
2: I have to say I really enjoyed the ideas they came up with in the film Hmm. like the idea of the mirror monster wizard person who when you hit the mirrors it hits the person that was kind of cool the idea of the statue coming to life and then fighting the statue that was pretty cool but I thought their execution in some of the areas was lacking and it was usually the in between the fight parts for me that was lacking a lot uh, like their whole mission to go and get the horn after getting the crystal. I felt those that that was like just unnecessary travel time. Where not much developed. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: What do you mean, not much developed? That's where the princess learned about how to get a man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not much. Look, developed. if Grace Jones
1: showed up here. And it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So, I mean, she knew what she was talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing <laughs> happened on the way to that hidden dungeon cave thing that couldn't have happened yeah. on the way to the first hidden dungeon cave thing. Like they could have just made it a longer journey to get to the first one. And then you get your middle of the movie peak and then a little bit longer journey back, and then you get your end of the movie peak. Instead, they went for this, like, three three travel spot destination movie. And to me, the flow of the movie was a little bit disrupted by it. It seems more like an episode of Dora the Explorer than a um, <laughs> go and get the thing and come back. Because in Dora, wow. they always go three places. <laughs>
0: Wow. And Malik would be Boots.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Boots doesn't talk, so Malik's the backpack or the map. Whichever one's more useless and annoying. (laughs) As far as characters go.
0: Well, he went there. Um, I I have to agree with Ben, though, not not on the Doherty Explorer part, but the.
2: (laughs) You mean my most accurate reference?
0: Well, we're definitely hitting all age groups now, aren't we, Derek? (laughs)
1: I'm so glad that the movie's rated PG. so We can get that bigger audience.
0: Yes, uh, bring it. Bring in that podcast money for us. Yeah, of course. Our, our podcast we don't we don't do Patreon. We don't do commercials. We we we're 100 percent free. We just ask people to
1: share us. Wait, well, you're uh, you're paying me though, right?
0: It's in your contract in the small print.
1: Okay. 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 <laughs>
0: I think we have the same like concept. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, small, small
2: print.
3: <laughs> you mean like the
2: Santa Claus? Yeah. With Tim Allen? <laughs> but
0: nevertheless, being a Dungeons & Dragons player back in, back in the day when the um, first one, it, it was like a, two years after it first came out. So I've been like a long-time player. What I liked about some of the Conan Destroyer, it was reminiscent of that. For instance, the ice palace, the, um, the illusionary palace, whatever you want to call it. And I, mm-hmm. I liked how it had the, um, the puzzles they had to figure out. And some of them are elementary, but the ones where all the mirrors come down and it took a while for Conan to figure out. Cause he would never have defeated the creature until he, by accident hits one in the mirrors, you know, and um, sees the slash and then realizes what he's got to do um, in order to defeat the wizard. And, I thought that was that was good and there, there were some other things and I think this ties back with what Ben said what he didn't like was going from point one point to another point to get to the third point you know but in Dungeons and dragons a lot of that is in the party thing you, you gotta build your experience points up before you can get to the big bad so to speak so you go and do these type of trips so that for me it wasn't as big it wasn't as much of a problem because I'm used to it in that fantasy trope where it's you have to go and get these acquisitions in order to fulfill the mission, which is very much done in the computer game versions.
1: So I'm glad you said that because I wanted to bring this up too um, about the Dungeons & Dragons. Um, So I've been writing game material. and a game designer now. I'm going to be starting a game company the whole bit, right? And, uh, you know, I was taught how to play Dungeons & Dragons by my Conan the Barbarian, loving creative writing teacher in high school. Um, He was the one that would, teach me almost everything I needed to know about d and I still use his lessons to this day. Um, I'm going to attribute Dungeons & Dragons to the awakening that I've had regarding Conan the Destroyer. It's a lousy Conan movie. It's a pretty decent d movie. It's got mm. all the things that you want. And, and not, I'm going to say, going back to what you were saying Steve, with like going to the old school, you got to go here, you got to solve the puzzle, whatever. But I'm going to say, even today, where Wizards of the Coast focus has been, and rightly so, and long overdue, on the diversity of players and player options, you've got a very diverse party here. You've got two African Americans playing whatever race they're playing in this world. You've got the little Asian guy playing whatever race he's playing in that world. You know, you've got you know, you've got a woman. You've got you know, you've got a pretty diverse crew here which is something that I think is missing in a lot of old school role playing material and so I applaud it for that uh, and I also think like you were saying it's got the puzzles it's got the traps, it's got the quests it's got the assembling of the team that didn't involve everybody meeting at a tavern one night. You know it's got <laughs> it's got everything you need for a DD and d game and I could see this getting turned into if somebody wanted to do it and you had the rights a DD and d module it, it's got everything that you need, including some of the spooky sounding stuff that they threw in that is kind of Lovecraftian, definitely Robert E. Howard stuff, The Scroll of Skellos, Dagon. You know, these are all things from Lovecraft and Howard's writing. So you've got all that there, too. So, dang it. I don't hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> because you and I are both old school players,
0: you know? And ben, Ben's a new school player,
2: having seen this movie, invaded Saving
1: Throw. <laughs> oh god no 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 no, no the D movies are dark no <laughs> and i'm not talking about them on monster kid radio i don't care how many people tell me they gonna be holding them no not happening now, Derek, they're making what, a new one now and i hope it's gonna be so much better
0: Derek, what, if, what if what if somebody was to drop you a, a back up the garbage truck with the money
1: fine that, which one <laughs> would you do first
3: <laughs>
0: See, even Robert Downey Jr. has a price. I mean, a Sir Derek theater, does have I'll a price. <laughs> Derek has a price. If you, you give him 000, 000, a million dollars, he'll talk about D and D for. You give a million dollars, he'll talk about D for a month. All the movies.
3: <laughs> Which one would
2: you rather oh, do? Oh man, that that whole thing—the <laughs> D and D movie or D and D Wrath of the Dragon? God, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there. Uh, uh, it's, it's,
1: uh... Um. <laughs> What's interesting is that I knew the guy who made the D&D movie years ago, and it was a passion project of his for so long. He, that's all he wanted, all he talked about. You know, his Sweet Pea Entertainment Company, he was trying to get the whole thing going. He was working on it when second edition was a thing. Um, and, and, man, he—I don't know what happened— because the things he would say online and in various conversations, kind of like he knew what he was talking about. He'd make a great movie. So I don't know what happened with that.
0: The suits. You get to the big studios, sometimes to get the suits involved and yeah. they changed it. And I think that's what happened in this particular case with Conan, the ball Baron. You had um, Melios directed the first one and, he, and he's, he's a guy that he doesn't give a damn what you say. He's, he's got yeah, his vision. Yeah. He's going to go yeah. for his vision, which you got to love. And I think in this case, Fletcher came in and he was pretty much given these directives. You're going to do this, this, and this, and this, because we want to increase the bottom line. So who got involved? The
1: suits, baby, the suits. Yeah. As Ron Perlman you know, says, he hates the suits. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you got Roy Thomas contributing story ideas to the thing, so You're hopeful, but. Uh, anyway.
3: I
2: would almost, if they did either a remake or a third movie, the, um, I'm blanking on his name, but he directed Hellboy. The first, the original. Uh, Del, Del, Tor- the like, Del Toro. Del yeah, Toro. I would almost like to see him do his version of Conan because I think he would be more Conan my vision of it rather than Conan this is what the studio told me to do. And I think... I think... It,
0: Depends I on, the off,
2: Depend on the budget.
0: Depends on the budget. Because he's had, he's had... The bigger the budget, the more the suits get involved. The lower the budget the project, the less suits involved. So it would have to be... A lower budget project, which which for all of our independent filmmakers would be a budget they would all like kill people for,
1: you know. For well, you know, you take money away, you have to be more creative anyway. You're yes. forced to think outside the box, and I think that's a good thing, especially when it comes to genre stuff. Um, I think if Del Toro got involved with the Conan, it would definitely be a weird tale with a capital W. It, he would play up all the the weirdness that you can find in Howard's writings. Like I said earlier, there's not a lot of monsters, but there are some. And like Tower of the Elephant, man, that's such a great story. And the stuff that, wow, there's some pretty incredible concepts in there. Plus, Dagon does kind of sort of exist in some of Howard's stories. Dagon's typically a Lovecraft thing. But he did write something with Dagon. Might not be the same Dagon, but he's there. So, yeah, you could, wow. I know Del Toro ended up not being able to do a Lovecraft film. We wanted to do Out the Mountains of Madness, but, you know, the budget was too high. Let's get him reading this Howard. Let's get him doing Howard. He listens to your show, right? we just ask him to do it? Hey, who <laughs> listens to my show? Del Toro? Del Toro.
0: Yeah. Del Tor- if you listen to my show, please come on. <laughs> I would love to interview you. <laughs> I'll give you the same oh, contract man. I gave
1: Derek. <laughs> oh,
2: man. Well, honestly, I could see them giving him a movie like this, too, like a a little bit lower-budget fantasy movie, because some of the last ones that have come out, like the Hercules films, didn't do too great in the box office, if I remember right. Yeah. This could be, like, the they think it's not going to do well, but they want a Conan movie. They give it to Del Toro because they think if anybody's going to make something of it with a low budget, it's going to be him. And then he goes and does his magic and make something out of it.
0: He's got to want to do it. I think, I think Totoro is definitely the creative type where yeah. if, if, if that's something he, he wants to jam to, I think if he was already inclined to do it and wanted to do that kind of project, then yes, if you're doing it as a, I think as a work for hire, I'm not sure if you'd be in it, in it as much, you know, it's just, I think I don't know. I don't know the man personally. I'm just saying It's. I think a lot of times with, Filmmakers and, and he's more than a director. He's a filmmaker. He's so so yeah. creative that he, he's got to want to do that project. And like Peter Jackson with the Lord of the Rings and so on. Like when they really are into that, you are able to get some works of art out there that are just that are beautiful to behold. When everything hits casting and directing, cinematography. And the interesting thing with this movie, the cinematographer. Um, Ben will tell us the name in just a second. But the cinematographer for this movie, Conan the Barbarian, Derek, did you know, he also did, if I remember correctly, Black Narcissus. Black Narcissus, the, the, Black Narcissus, the 1947 movie, the classic.
1: Interesting. Uh, for a Destroyer or Barbarian? Destroyer. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know much about the cinematographer on this. Yeah, Jack
0: Cardiff. Cardiff. Interesting. Yeah, he was. He he done a lot of films. Yeah, Black Narcissus, Narcissus, nineteen forty seven. He did that one. Um, the
2: Vikings, a matter cool. of life and death. Yeah.
0: So you're talking about and and I saw. Have you ever seen Black Narcissus? I'm, I'm probably that's butchering the last time.
2: name. That's Narcissus. I, Narcissus. He also did the Red Shoes.
0: Yeah. I saw it recently for the first time, and it just blows you away. I mean, 1940, it's just like, wow. And, and uh, I think Rhonda Fleming plays one of the nuns and she is just such, such a great performance in that, and the, 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 the lighting, the, the, the the cinema, everything. It's just, Oh, it, it's just, it's just a work of art. It's a great film. I can't win. One day I'm going to win a die roll in drama and we're going to do a review of it. Um, and that kind of thing. Cause it's just, it's just a movie that needs to be, people need to see, but you, so you have a, a cinematographer who
2: has done great work. They might, they might've chopped his work up in post. Cause like we've said, a lot of the scenes have very weird shots, but they might've cut it in a way that it was PG now. And they might've overcut it to get from R to PG.
0: But I think, look at your one of your favorite scenes, the opening scene with the horses, everything building up. That just shows you right there. You know, he he could bring it, and, and that was definitely probably not the, the original vision he had. But you're right. Editing can do everything. That's why, I don't, that's why I'm so hesitant to blame actors, because they do these points and then they say, okay, do it again. We're going to get from this, take that take. They don't know how it's going to be edited. They don't know, you know. It, Certain bits of dialogue or, like, a bits of a scene could be left out to make, to make their dialogue seem totally inane at that point. And we've seen many movies that was affected by the editing, which we don't know because we never saw it. They know because they did it. The director definitely knows. That's why I love when I get to interview the filmmaker or the director of a project and they're able to say, well, yeah, this was supposed to have happened this way, but we edited it out through for various reasons, you know, it, it could have been, um, who knows, you know, what the reasons were, especially back in the days when it was all done by film and you didn't really know what you got and It could be too late to do the pickups and things like that. And you're just stuck with what you're stuck with nowadays with the digital thing. And they're able to see what they're doing. they are able to get those takes, but again, in a lower budget film, it's a matter of time. Now you're running against the clock and you, you can only do so many takes, but it's, so it's, I don't know um we'll go into things that we felt that could have been improved which i know you two have been chomping at the bit to get to and oh, uh, we were already there <laughs> and, and have said yeah, some of them already, already kind of. um some of them already with like with backhanded
2: compliments <laughs> those weren't compliments don't give us credit we're making backhanded comments but derrick
0: uh, sir Derek, we'll start with you um what, what was something that you felt that should have been improved or do you have anything else to say on that? Because I mean we, I know we have said a lot of different things that could have been improved on.
1: Itch the thief. Just get rid of that little scrawny dude. He drug every scene down he was in and uh, he just get rid of him. You don't even need that character. You didn't need the character. That's the thing. If they had to do this last minute recast, just cut the character. You didn't need him. He didn't contribute anything. That couldn't have been done by anybody else. So, yeah, just rewrite them and get rid of them. And release what the original score would have sounded like if such a thing exists. I want to hear what the original score would have sounded like.
2: Also, to your point, when Grace Jones comes in, her character was supposed to have been a thief that was with a group to rob that village. So it's like, immediately on one of their first parts of their journey, they basically just replaced him with another character, so he wasn't, necessary to the plot for doing thief-like things. I don't look at her as
0: being a thief as much as, as as a roving band of, of barbarians that were coming in to steal stuff, which is a little different than thieving. This is, this is pillaging. I think they're more coming like to, to steal where, where, so I don't think I don't, obviously her stealth score was not good because they got caught and the rest of them were eliminated. But her, I looked at her as being another, another fighter type, Brought in, you know, to bol- bolster the 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 fighting ranks because they had a wizard, they had a thief, they had a princess that did basically nothing in <laughs> the fighting parts. You know, there was like, you know, not much she's going to contribute. And you had two tanks in Wilt and Arnold, so you needed yeah. you needed her to come in to have that finesse fighting that was going on, but but. You know, she she had that good fight. She had that little fight scene where she showed she was fearless with Mombata where they're fighting on horseback and everything else that she showed she was not gonna give up. I mean that uh, her character was as, as Derek said, one note, but it was she played that note very well. Yeah.
1: Well that that's that shows the strength of a good casting director and uh you know, good I don't know, writer i guess i don't know i mean you, you know who you're working with and you write something that suits their talents and i don't know what point she came into the project i don't know if the part was written for her i don't know anything about the production of this movie because for years i've avoided everything to do with this movie <laughs> so i don't i don't know i'd like to learn a little bit more about how she got involved and was this part crafted for her in mind and if so good on them because they came up with something that she could do
0: yeah and um, for me I- I think I already mentioned like the, the things I would have altered or changed would have been like a little bit, the ending of character being having a better arc, you know, I thought that would have been nicer. Uh, really for me, I think the thing that I would like to have seen improved is, is a version. If it's possible with the parts that were edited out, put in and have a director's version, the unedited version, whatever you want to call it. Um, the seduction of the statue version, whatever it works for you. The Fleischer cut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, bring out the Flesher cut. Yeah, the, the, the Legion of Conan fans um, <laughs> will come out there. Of course, course, I hate to say this, but as Derek mentioned, those that are really Conan fans from the books, the, the, the literature part from Martin Howard's original work, a lot of them don't really like either of these Conan movies or any of the or, oh. or, or any of them, any of the, even the, even the, the the recent remake. And those of us that started with Conan from the comic books, like I did from the Marvel comics, I think are more accepting because it, it, you're already in that fantasy element. And I didn't read any of the Howard things until well after the Conan movies, so I don't have that in my mind going into. And I think a lot of times the movie that's adapted from a book or literature is so much better when you haven't read the literature part first. Um, then when you go into it afterwards, I think it works much. You're you're much more forgiving to the movie because you already saw the movie first and you're reading the book and then you're fleshing It's like, oh, now I know where they got that idea from. For at least for me, it seems to work better that way.
2: And um, With the exception of 2001, A Space Odyssey.
0: Well, that one, the book <laughs> and the movie came at the same time. They were being done together. So that, that, that's, that's a, that's an interesting hybrid. Marketing ploy. Um, I I don't want to go into 2001, that thing, that, that, that's a, that's a beast. uh, That's a horse of a different color.
1: (laughs) There are, uh, various fan edits of this film out there. If you know where to look where people have tried to make it more serious, I just said air quotes on a podcast, make it more serious. Um, I haven't seen any of those, but I'd be interested to, To watch them just to kind of see if cutting out some of the little thief dudes stuff or any of the other extraneous stuff that kind of bogs it down makes the movie better. Just to kind of see, but then now we're cutting the movie even more, right? So I
2: I gotta say, it also it felt like the party around Conan was useless most of the time, like Malik. And occasionally, most of the time in a fight, he stands with his back against a wall, just hiding <laughs> or hides under the table mm-hmm. or altar. Uh, very rarely does he, he gets like one kill a fight or one knife throw fight. That was like his quota. I get one action a day. <laughs> yeah. The others are
1: once per long rest,
2: <laughs> yes, once, once per week, I can throw my knife. The rest of the time I must cower in fear and make snarky comments that don't hit.
0: No, I think he only threw the knife the one time. Most of the time his yes. big his go to move was the jump the,
2: on a horseback and stab their throat or their side multiple times. Their sides
0: with both knives yeah. in the into the side thing. Yeah. Which which is a total thief move. You know. Sure. You know, total the backstab stab. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now he had potential <laughs> at the beginning when he was in it, because you see him do that, but then you see him get caught underneath of it, which was of the guy, which was mildly funny. But after that, you just see him in so many different encounters. It's all Conan and it's Conan's movie. But then that brings up the point of, if you're not going to feature some of these characters in any meaningful way, why are they there? It could Mm -hmm. have just been Conan plus princess and Wilt Chamberlain plus the wizard and maybe plus the barbarian. If that's what we're considering her to be Zula and So basically you're
0: saying everybody but Malik.
2: Well you could have also <laughs> cut out Zula and still had an effective party. Like almost all of their fights is a hundred percent Conan or ninety percent Conan. You get the wizard in meaningful moments, like battling the other wizard. But besides that, it was like Why are why are you guys even here?
0: Well, the wizard was also there to read the writing that none of them can read because he's the scholar. Um, so he was able to translate different things and was able to let them know what this was all heading to.
2: That's what I'm saying. I mean, it could have been a four-person party and easily accomplished the exact same potential as the party did with six people.
0: Well, I think, Derek, if this movie was done nowadays, they probably still would have had six, but there would have been a big difference is you probably would have had a character expire at those first two big things, like the ice castle thing, one of them probably would have perished there. And then probably at the the one when he got the horn. So that way you would have had the um, the stakes being raised. I think th- there would have been possible fatalities going on. And that way you would have had the the, the group that you needed to, for the end to fight with Dagov.
1: What do you think? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that.
2: Well, even in the, uh,
1: especially with- looking at how they do family films now. Yeah.
2: Even in the fight with Dagoth, it's like Malak threw a knife one time and stood on a staircase without moving. And um, Zula stabbed Dagoth in the back one time and then stood on a staircase not moving with the princess who's screaming and also not moving after everyone else in the area fled. It's like you get a lot of uselessness at well, that ben, point.
0: Ben, those extras cost money, so you got to get him out of the scene as quick as you can.
2: <laughs> well, at this point, the rest of his party was extras too, so it's like. But
0: Conan was also yelling at him, "Stay back! I got He's telling this."
2: Telling him to leave, and leave. But they stood there and didn't leave.
0: And also, I yeah. at least listen yeah. to the man. I got. But I got to say, the stand-up form. You're you're those two characters. You're looking at Dag. You're looking at Dag. If you threw you threw your javelin in his back you don't now that's your weapon. Now you're going to, are you going to go barehanded with them? She made a business decision at that point. She's like, uh, no.
2: <laughs> see, Now you're saying if you're in that situation, if I'm in that situation, I'm running away from the scary freaking monster that just stomped on a dude's head. Like I'm not throwing my javelin. I'm just going to leave. Even if it's a D and D fight, my character will leave. Like, If I'm making a real business decision there, it's to not fight the monster. Just let it win.
0: The whole the whole everything's falling dead. Where are you gonna go? He's supposed to destroy the world. So I mean, where where are you gonna run to in the world if the whole world is gonna get destroyed?
2: Away? I don't know. Away from him at least. (laughs) (laughs) At least the wizard started fleeing, like he was already kind of going to the corner to hide.
0: He made a business decision. Like I said, he sometimes you got to make decision. those decisions and that's why he's the scholar. He made that decision quickly and knew where to go. Okay. If I stand here, I'm more likely to die. I'm going over to there.
2: <laughs> Ironically, directly where the lightning strikes.
0: Well, you can't predict lightning.
2: <laughs> he's a wizard. He can predict some magic. He could have, he could have guessed. He could have been like, this is a God thing. It's probably going to do magic. <laughs> It's going to attack the other people. If I stay away from the group of the other people, I might be better off. <laughs> I fully expected Malik to just run away or at least throw both knives. Well you need to keep one in reserve to
1: kill yourself, you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> I don't see Malik doing that.
2: <laughs> I'm just, I just saying gotta say. I gotta say.
0: But um overall, let's go around and do whether we not whether or not we recommend this movie to the average listener. Derek, we'll start with you, sir. Derek, do you recommend Conan the destroyer to the average Joe, the average Jane,
1: the average person? No, I mean, I've had an awakening regarding this movie, but no, I don't, I still don't recommend it uh, to the average person. So yeah. he's a little bit more committed and or committable like us. Then yeah, maybe, but not the average Joe.
0: So who would you recommend it to? Like, what do you mean by the average, like, like people like us, be more descriptive
1: uh gamers i would recommend it to gamers for sure um yeah i would go with gamers or people who don't have a lot of experience with conan in any form although that would be doing conan a disservice because some the colors what they think conan's supposed to be Nope. so just just gamers i would recommend it to gamers okay ben
2: I, I the movie's not as bad as we color it to be it's also not as good as we color it's it's not a great film. It's a very average movie for what it is. I I don't know if I would really recommend it to people. Like, this is the movie I'm going to recommend you because you know I like movies. Like, I think that will lose their trust in my movie sense.
4: So <laughs> I, I
2: don't know if I would recommend it to just an average person. Maybe if they were looking for, as Derek said, like reference for D&D material. I would say hey go ch- go check out a couple scenes from this movie don't watch the whole thing but like this mirror <laughs> monster scene that you can you can use that in D&D make it work but not probably not the whole thing <laughs> I don't know I don't I don't think I would recommend it to just an average person like especially friends that are my age aren't as into the practical effects the 80s sword and sorcery vibe they're more into the alita battle hunter cgi everything okay i might show, I might show them the opening sequence and then stop and put it in a different movie but <laughs> that's about it
0: all right so or not i recommend conan destroy but first let's let's put in context derek and i did do conan the ball burial on his show and in that one we both recommended it and i would say on a scale just because it's the way people have a comparison I would say Conan the Barbarian would be on a fantasy sword and sandals type movie, a nine out of 10, you know, cause there, I wouldn't say it's 10 out of 10 because there's some things that could have been improved and now on also, um, with this film, I would say a six out of 10, you know, so it's like three marks below for the various reasons that we brought up. Um, when I was a 15 year old, I probably would have said a seven out of 10. I would have bumped it up a little bit because, you know, that everything was fantasy. Everything was all that stuff. And you just, you went there and enjoyed it. And you're, I was looking forward to the next movie where if I, where if I didn't like the movie, I would not be looking forward to the next movie. And I think Derek even said this, we would love to see King Conan with Arnold come out right now. I mean, sure. Especially if, uh, even though, he, even though he's retired, you know, he had that. I think he had a stroke or whatever. John Melius was to come, somehow come out and direct it, you know, or, or write it, or something, you know. And uh, and 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 Jerry Lopez is still out there. Actually, all the main ones well, you know, that that lived in the first movie are still yeah, there. You he he lives
1: out here somewhere in Oregon. I need to, yeah, show up at his house and not be a creep. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> just wear your Luchador <laughs> mask. He'll totally think that's normal.
4: We're <laughs> all six of
1: I was like, Oh, come on. That's, I'm not that crazy <laughs> then. Come on.
2: I was like, I think this movie would have done better if it was done in like a TV miniseries broken into two or three parts than it did as a solid movie.
1: You know, I, I would. I think you're right, because of the structure of the you have to get this piece for that part of the puzzle and that piece for that part of the puzzle that could be broken up over like some different installments. So, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, so basically this is one recommend compared to two not recommends. Um, Michaela did not do this episode because she's seen Conan the Destroyer years ago, and she said, no. I, I think I quote, hell no.
2: <laughs> so, I think she actually just asked why <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> but
0: uh, So that'll, that'll give you an idea of what Michaela's recommendation would be. <laughs> she didn't even want to see it again. <laughs> so, But but having said that, now to put Derek's review in perspective, Derek, what what do you think of Manos to Hands of Fate? I love Manos to Hands of Fate. How dare you, sir? (laughs) Would you recommend that movie to the average person? Absolutely not. Okay, I'm just making sure we... Absolutely not. Just checking, you know, I'm trying to put this in perspective. Now, comparing these two movies... Conan the Destroyer, Hands of Fate. Which one is actually the better film of those two? Oh,
1: boy. Um, Manos the
0: Hands of Fate. You've never seen it. I get more (laughs) enjoyment.
1: I know I haven't seen it. That's why I can't say Manos the Hands of Fate. I get more enjoyment out of Manos. I really do. That said, having watched this and having these troubling thoughts about this movie. I am probably going to spend a little bit more time with this movie before I spend more time with Manos again, because I'm, I want to know more about the making of it now. And yeah, like I said, I I really feel like it it would fit well with the gaming crowd. And I want to, might even do a video about it for Dice Monster Dice. So you, so basically we'll say, we'll we'll put them as a tie for you. Sure. Why not?
2: (laughs) I think what's sad about this movie is it had a lot of potential. Yes. coming into the movie there was a mm-hmm. lot of potential for it to be a very successful movie and it just didn't hit on everything and what it didn't hit on was noticeable
1: yeah
0: i think if it would have been i think if they wouldn't have made the pg mandate that they would have left it br if they would have and, and then those scenes that were edited out put in and who knows what the the, the like the opening fight scene where conan's fighting the queen's guard And you would have saw something similar to the first movie or maybe even more bloodier. I mean, I don't know your bloodier and and that kind of thing. It would have been interesting to see the comparison of those two films, but I look at it. There's so many times Hollywood, whether it's TV or movies where they do a sequel and they're like, Oh, if we lower the bar down, we can get more children involved and they end up hurting the show. And I think of like, Lost in space. The first season of lost in space was so awesome. It was this action adventure. And then they said, all oh, the kids are watching. And then they want campy for the rest of the series or, um, um, then Richard.
2: Voyage beneath the
1: sea.
0: Yeah. Voyage beneath yeah. the sea. The first season of that was awesome. And then the subsequent seasons became, they were like, Oh, we got to aim it for children.
2: Well, didn't that start as a
0: movie? No. Well, it started as like a movie? I'm talking about movie. the Yeah. But I'm talking about the TV show the movie didn't have a sequel.
2: And, I thought uh, the TV show was the movie sequel. Uh, like, cause didn't it have the same people on it generally. No, I thought it had the same like main two people.
0: No, it had Richard Basehart and the other one had. um, Oh, who was the other guy? I don't remember. I don't hey, remember.
2: It has he's, someone that we can't remember. Audience, he's been in. He's
0: been. It's been so many of his movies that Derek watches. <laughs> On this show, Oh, well, but whatever the case, the whole point I'm trying to bring up is there's a lot of times when the Hollywood will make us, like the original one will be R or have more violence or, yeah. or the, and then they'll do a sequel and they'll decide to tone it down because they're looking at the suits again, looking at, let's get the money. And then they, when they tone it down and try to make it more children friendly, they end up losing both audiences.
1: But, you know, sometimes that works. I mentioned police Academy earlier. The first one's rated R, and it's got some decidedly rated R content in it. After that, they were going PG. And how long did that franchise run? Eight movies, two TV series, and I think a cartoon. So somebody was making money, and sometimes it works. I don't think Conan's a property that you need to do that to, or you should do that to, though.
2: I will say, when you mentioned the bloodiness of the film, I, I could definitely see where this was going to be a much gorier film especially when they were rescuing Akira the wizard when he just mm-hmm. beheaded like three people mm-hmm. right right away like mm-hmm. beheaded three of these wildlings I guess you would call them the cannibals and early on you could see his his sword was covered in blood so they definitely did blood effects in that mm-hmm. first battle scene but you just lost him because every time he killed somebody they cut away from that person so you didn't actually see it
0: and I think those are the things yeah. that were cut to make it yeah. from R to PG. And I mean, there there are a lot of PG movies that I've seen at that time frame in the early '80s. Um, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones and the Temple, Beastmaster, Beastmaster, Beastmaster's yeah. a PG, nothing,
1: and there's the topless baby scene in it.
2: Nothing against PG because yeah. some PG movies were very good.
0: That's what I'm saying. So they sure. could it could have been done. I think. It was just the, just the script and the direction were somehow not there to get this, mm-hmm. where, where the suits wanted it and with the vision of whoever the creative force were winning. And I think we all agree it was a lot of the problems were probably in the editing and in one character.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And I guess every movie has its faults and its making of mishaps, things like that this one's just happened to affect it a little bit more. Yep. Okay.
0: So listeners, what we're about to do now, Derek and I did this as a crossover thing. And Derek did an episode with us prior, um, black samurai, which Derek had picked out. We're going to roll the dice for the genre. So Derek will pick what John will find out what genre he gets to pick a movie next. So the next time he's on the show, you know, what he has to pick oh, okay. from. So Derek we're gonna roll one die, which normally decides which of, which one of us normally pick, but it'll give us a one or a two, so we'll know what genre die to roll. Derek, okay. Derek, so there, Ben, roll the.
2: Um, I'm gonna roll all three. I'm gonna roll all the dice at once, and then just read off what they get.
0: All right, we'll see what number a number. Okay, so roll. Number one.
2: Okay, so we have
0: independent film. So you get to pick any any film that's made that's independent. Monos to Hands of It? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know I've never seen that film either. Too. That's the funny thing. What film?
1: Hey, ben, put your headphones. Monos to Hands of Fate? <laughs> oh, he didn't have his headphones on. Sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> As he's struggling to put them on there, but so Derek, so one of the ones you're leaning to is is, is Monos to Hands of Fate. No, I'm
1: I'm not going to make <laughs> you sit through that. I'll I'll think of something. All right. I don't Go have to, to think of something worth the second joy. What did you say? I don't have to think of something right the second joy. No, you
0: don't have to. The last okay. independent movie that we did was McCandle's win, and that was Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which was our episode fifty. And um, okay. have you ever seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil?
2: No. I would highly recommend it.
0: Nope. Yeah, listen to that episode and do it and um depending on when you Drop going the Barbarian, and when this episode, so that way I'll know when this episode comes out. I'm going to be interviewing Eli Craig, who is the director and writer, a filmmaker basically of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. So that episode will either be out before or right after this episode, so listeners can look forward to that if you want to learn more about that movie. Also did Little Evil, and I didn't notice until I was researching a little bit about him. He's Sally Field's son.
1: There you go. Derek. Very
0: cool, man. Thank you for joining us on the show. It was a pleasure as always to have a Hall of Famer from the Rondo, the Rondo Hall of Fame, Rondo Award winning podcast, nominated every year, almost always at minimum, an honorable mention. Sometimes it finishes as the bride, groom, sometimes it's the winner. But you're a Hall of Famer keep, and you're now keep, Sir, keep going. Keep Sir going. Derek
2: M. Cook. lifetime award winner
0: oh that's right we've almost forgot about lifetime your four award winner yeah you're already you're already life you already a lifetime
2: achievement you're already goaded
1: yeah so i can just stop now right
2: <laughs> hey you, tom brady didn't stop he's got what how many rings well, you, derek
0: <laughs> derek derek is like he can't stop at just one he just he wants he wants a legion of rondos and and all this other stuff you know he wants to my, my dude needs a tag team partner, man. Well, it's coming in the mail, isn't it? Don't <laughs> you get a Rondo for, that says you're in the Hall of Fame or
1: you just get a ring? <laughs> uh, it is a plaque that hasn't arrived yet because they are making them. Um, it doesn't feel real and it won't until it actually gets here in the mail. So, When that arrives, I'm definitely doing an unboxing video.
0: And I told this to Derek prior to this podcast that now that he is in the Hall of Fame, anytime he signs anything, he should write Derek M Cook H O F. Oh
1: boy,
0: because <laughs> that's what base that's what the wow. baseball guys will do. that are in the Hall of Fame, and, you know. I do they really? Yeah, a lot of them write the H O F, and then the year they won it, they're inducted. So, so if they're in the sports ball Hall of Fame, huh? Not all of them do, but a lot of them do because because they're in the Hall of Fame. So they're right at I think it's a little injury. pretentious, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> well, they're hall of famers. I guess they can be that way. We can.
1: All right. Cool.
0: <laughs> well, you don't want to send me that contract that was like Willy Wonka's <laughs> chocolate factor. I had to put the literal magnifying glass and the magnifying glass and the magnifying glass to get to see the really small print.
1: Well, in all honesty, I don't do this because I want a whole bunch of awards or whatever I do this because it's fun to do. And it makes me incredibly happy when I see my friends catch on to the kind of fun that I'm having podcasting so much they make their own. And I think you guys have really knocked it out of the park. I think the Diecast movie podcast is definitely one of the better, if not the best podcasts that come out over the past several years to launch over the past several years. Uh, the dynamic that you guys have, even Michaela, even though she's not here, because I know she's secretly mad at me about <laughs> black samurai. Um, I think the dynamic and the chemistry between the three of you and uh, the unique approach that you take to your subjects and your interviews is definitely special. And why you don't have more, you know, you need more downloads because you're definitely worth it. So you guys are awesome. Thanks for letting me be part of the show. Thank you
2: for coming on again.
0: Thank you, Derek. And, 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 you know, listeners join us to our next episode, whether it be a movie review, an interview, or something we've been starting new discussions on various topics. So everybody stay safe, be happy, and listen to more podcasts. Ciao. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed what Derek and I talked about with Conan the Destroyer and with joining with Ben. I mean, it was great to get the perspective of both of them. Um, Conan the Destroyer, as we all know, is a classic movie, and I think everybody would agree that has seen it. So if you haven't seen it, go see both. But there's one thing Derek brought me on to or showed me recently, Conan the Musical, which is by Al Kaplan, who did the music, the lyrics, the video editing, Arnold Schwarzenegger performs the word crom during it. And um, the music has Basil's, some of, mu- some, some of Basil's variations into it. Um, it's on YouTube. If you type in Conan the Musical, you can see it. But pretty much you get the idea what it's like from hearing the lyrics. It's about three minutes long. We're going to end the show with that episode. Our next episode is going to be Hammerama, the continuation of that series with The Mummy. I hope everybody enjoys that and has a good day. Oh, by the way, don't forget to leave your feedback on diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can email us there or leave us feedback on our Facebook page. Thanks again, Derek. Bye.
5: the day, walking in circles, haunted by memories, I push on this wheel. I pray to clam, grant me revenge, and help me to answer the riddle of steel. A shy little boy, I couldn't protect them, helpless and timid, as weak as a girl. They butchered my people, the dogs ate my father, my mother beheaded, they took my whole world. to kill my mother, still I can recall his terrible gaze. crumb where are the two snakes facing each other, crumb if you're my god then show me the way, I'm on the path Wrapping up bodies, packing and slicing, and look at me now. With loyal friends joining my party, each step I take, I'm fulfilling my vow. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Hear the lamentation of the women. Crush your enemies, enemies.
3: see them driven
5: before before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Come, show me the wizard to kill my mother True, I've never prayed to you before Still, what would I give if you could help me see this through? And if you do not listen, then the hell with you facing each other. Come, if you're my god, then show me the way. I swear this wizard will fall, cause this has begun. They murdered them all. I'm the last one, I issued the call. Revenge for my. driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the